This is Closer Look. I'm Mario Morgan. We're getting the facts about COVID-19 and what we should do to protect ourselves. Talking with Dr. David Stevens. He's the CEO Emeritus of the Christian Medical and Dental Association. His resume of caring for the sick is literally decades long with specific frontline experience in epidemics. It's not my first epidemic, so I haven't worked overseas for 11 years and also headed up medical relief for Samaritan's Purse. I've dealt with more than uh, I wish I'd had to. So I laugh, of course, because the typical phrase is, it's not my first rodeo, but in your case, <laughs> not your first epidemic. Not my first epidemic, yeah. From HIV in the early 80s to typhoid to malaria epidemics to... Um, a thing called relapsing fever that went into Sudan. We lived in tents trying to wipe this thing out that was killing about 40% of the people. So never made, hardly made the news, but I mean, it was devastating in that part of the, the world. So anyway, yeah, God's faithful and, and sees us through these difficult circumstances. What are your um, first impressions, your global impressions of what's going on? Well, this is one of the most um, contagious, infectious uh, epidemics that we've had. You know, we've had two other uh, coronavirus epidemics, but they were much more localized, though much more deadly. Uh, that was SARS back in 2002, and about uh, 10% of people that got it died. So those were also considered coronavirus? Yes, yes. Coronaviruses actually come from animals, and that's why we have no resistance to them. And the coronavirus in 2002 called SARS uh, actually came from civet cats. And then there was MERS in 2012, Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome, and it had about a 30% death rate, but was not nearly as contagious as what we have now. Now, what we're experiencing the death rate's still serious. It's one and a half to two and a half percent, but um, it's this one's much more contagious and spreading much quicker. Those others were fairly localized in regions of the world. So that's what the great concern is, and also that this is going to overwhelm our healthcare system. The obvious question is: you, you, you have said this is the most contagious we've had, but how does it compare to the seasonal flu? I mean, there's just been a lot of talk about: are we overreacting? Are we underreacting? About twenty. To 25,000 people a year die of the seasonal flu, but this one is growing exponentially and we have flu vaccines. Sometimes we get them right and sometimes we don't because you have to predict what the flu is going to be this year. This one is more contagious than the flu and deadlier than the flu. Um, the flu's death rate is about 0.1%. One out of a thousand die of the flu and, and those are pretty predictable people that get it. Now we're seeing this where we're looking at one and a half, two and a half percent death rate and about 15% of people that get it end up, um, you know, seriously sick and in a hospital. What happens is you end up on a respirator if this is very bad. And of course, there's a limited number of those in this country. So, you know, people ask me, uh, well, what, you know, why not the flu being worse? We can handle the flu most of the time. This is expanding exponentially. It goes back to that old uh, thing you may have heard where you've heard somebody say, well, would you rather me give you two cents and double it every day for a month or give you $10,000? And what that does is to show you what exponential increase means. If I gave you two cents a day for a month and doubled it, you'd be a billion dollars at the end of the month. And that's what's happening in some areas of the country, New York and some on the West Coast, where we're seeing this exponential 
substantial increase. I don't say that to scare people. We're doing things to limit it. That's why social distancing and washing and all those things are, are so important because we don't have a vaccine and we've got, a, a we think, a treatment that's helping with um, hydroxychloroquine and other drugs. But uh, this is still very serious and something we need to pay attention to. So we're definitely not overreacting. We're not. I'm Maria Morgan. You're listening to Closer Look, talking with Dr. David Stevens. He is the CEO Emeritus of the Christian Medical and Dental Association. So I'm curious, when did you begin following this as a doctor and someone who's actually been on the front lines for epidemics? Back in January, when we started seeing what was happening in China and we didn't even have any cases at the U.S. because I knew these other epidemics, one of them had started in China and uh, saw the impact that they were having. Wuhan is about the size of New York City where this started and they shut down the whole city. We've shut down New York. So, um, you know, these things spread. They're very difficult to contain. The big question back then was how contagious was it? And now we know people can spread it even before they have symptoms, which is very concerning because then everybody has to take precautions because you can spread it to others before you know you have it. We know that it can stay in the air for three hours. It can stay on metal and plastic for three days. And uh, that includes doorknobs and handles and, you know, to all sorts of things. And so that's why this social isolation and staying at home and not going out is one of the best ways and probably the best way right now to control this. So it is unusual for the virus to be able to live outside the body or on surfaces as opposed to other viruses you've seen? Yeah, flu, flu can uh, stay on surfaces for a while, but this seems to, to be uh, able to stay on them longer. And those are, you know, stalt results in a laboratory. It's it's hard to know, but we know people are getting sick, you know, and passing this on to others uh, before they even begin to have symptoms. And that happens a day or so uh, before they have symptoms, which makes this more difficult. You know, it's not just stay home if you're sick, it's stay home so you don't get sick and pass it on to others and not even realize it. I think that's probably uh, what hit me the hardest when I realized that, hey, I'm feeling fine, but I was on an airplane a couple of weeks ago coming back from visiting my mom. I don't know what I might be carrying. So, yeah. Well, we know that if you get the virus, you're you're probably going to have symptoms within five days. The, the span of that is from two days to 14 days. But likely by five days, you're going to have um, symptoms. That's why we tell people if they have it to stay home for 14 days or if they've been exposed to stay home for 14 days and isolate themselves until they find out whether they have it. The question everybody has to this point is, well, how many people are walking around with it without symptoms? And the way to find that out is to, to do some mass testing, and that's beginning to happen in uh, some areas around the country, and it's being still ramped up. Now, you mentioned, of course, uh, staying at home, what's been called social distancing. I actually heard someone say, and I was intrigued by the idea that it should probably be called physical distancing instead because we still as human beings still need um, social interaction. That's a good point you know and, and a lot of people like we have been doing are using FaceTime and uh, other means to check in on family members spread around the world and we, we need support and encouragement from uh, those we care for and also knowledge of how they're doing so uh, my kids have checked on me more in the last two or three weeks than they have in the last eight months <laughs> 
to make sure mom and dad are all right. My wife has rheumatoid arthritis. She's at great risk. She's on an immunosuppressive drug, and that's a group that, if get it, it can be very deadly. So uh, I grounded her a number of weeks ago. If um, this can have adult children calling their moms and dads more often, it might be worth all the trouble. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> Let's talk real talk about what you can actually do besides social distancing. I mean, we hear about washing our hands. Does it really have to be 20 seconds or is that just a suggestion? No, it's it really, there's studies to show that um, it's necessary to kill viruses that you have a longer period of washing. And I, I tell people saying, Jesus loved me in their head. Uh, that's about 20 seconds long. And uh, and do it often and carry, um, if, if you can, carry a little bottle of uh, antiseptic gel that's at least 60% alcohol. I've got one in my pocket right now. I've been over here to the office. I'll go home. I've touched doorknobs. And on my way home, I will wash my hands with the alcohol. And uh, I do that a number of times during the day. Uh, If you're in a medical situation as a physician, as some people are, and nurses and others, uh, you're doing that even more often. And um, that's important. Wash down and scrub the high-touch surfaces in public places. Uh, People are doing that. I mean, I went to Walmart uh, for pick up some medicine, had to go, and, you know, they were having someone disinfect the cart handles. As we came in, I mentioned to him, I said, that's a never-ending job. He says, yes, but I've got good job security. I mean, this is things that are very important. Stay away. If people cough or sneeze, they can shoot droplets that you can't see about three to four feet, maybe even up to six. That's why we say stay away from each other. Uh, Avoid touching your face, nose, and eyes. You may be in a situation where you're touching things and you can't disinfect until, you know, that's over. Well, don't touch your face, nose, and eyes. That's how the virus gets into the body. And uh, I encourage people not to hoard. There's a lot of panic buying and and that type of thing, but uh, there's simple ways you can do disinfection. For example, uh, just take the Clorox uh, that's in your cupboard. Any kind of bleach, basically. It doesn't have to be Clorox brand, but... Yeah, it could be any kind of bleach. And you can put uh, five tablespoons in a gallon of water or three teaspoons in a quart of water, and you've got a great disinfectant. We used to use this when I was a missionary because it was cheap, it was readily available, and it worked well. And put it in a spray bottle, and that's called hypochlorite, and uh, it kills viruses on contact. So you don't have to have expensive type things. Uh, If you've got a bottle of bleach, you can make a lot of it for (laughs) you and others. Uh, Five tablespoons per gallon, three teaspoons per quart, and that um, will disinfect surfaces around your house. I've seen people actually uh, grab a Clorox wipe or something they've made themselves and put it in a uh, Ziploc bag, stick it in their pocket, and when they're out, they take it out, clean doorknobs, clean their hands, whatever they need to do, and um, light switches and desk and toilet and faucets and you name it, cell phones, uh, that's readily available. Avoid crowds, stay at least six feet away and and don't get into crowded uh, cars. And that's why the problem with planes and ships and all the rest of it, that uh, they're so concerned. So avoid all non-essential travel. Sometimes you have to get out for medications or other things, but uh, do as little traveling around as possible until we get over this hump. 
I'm Maria Morgan. This is Closer Look. Dr. David Stevens is my guest. He's been a doctor for decades. He's been one who's taught thousands of other medical professionals how to treat infectious disease, especially on the mission field. As a physician, someone who's interested in body and soul and spirit, what is a balanced reaction in your mind to all this? You know, the one, the scripture verse that I've gotten through me a lot of epidemics is, uh, among others, is Second Timothy 1.6, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And a sound mind means you take proper precautions, you follow instructions that the government's getting out. You don't say, oh, that's ridiculous, or we're closing the schools, and you send your kids over to play with other kids in your community. A sound mind means you, you have a responsibility before God to love your neighbor, and loving your neighbor means that you do what you can to protect them and your family. Secondly, this is a great opportunity to show love, to show compassion. Um, and how can you help people in the community? Maybe your church is going to organize something. You can be involved in taking food to the elderly or just making a phone call or making sure they're okay. Um, people that are at higher risk that you can reach out to. A lot of people are unemployed and, you know, can, can we give food? Can we give money to someone that we know that uh, really needs some help? Can we be praying for others that are fearful? And then of power. Remember, God's got the power. He's in charge. He's not surprised. Uh, he's promised to, to love us and protect us. That doesn't mean we won't get sick. It doesn't mean we may not even die, but he will be there with us in those situations. When I was taking care of epidemics and up at a hospital where we didn't have many protective advices and we're dealing with meningococcal meningitis and all sorts of things that are highly contagious. And I had three little kids, you know, I prayed, I was careful, but then I trusted God and uh, I still grabbed my kids and gave them a hug when I came home because I had washed up and used gloves as much as I could. And uh, so, yeah, you, you, you do the things you should do, but then it comes down to a matter of faith. And I think this is a great opportunity for Christians to increase their faith because faith is a spiritual muscle and it doesn't get stronger unless you exercise it. And uh, right now we're having to exercise more than we have in the past. And that's healthy for us spiritually, uh, not only to trust God, but also to reach out and love on others. So you have a lot of experience with uh, epidemics and we haven't seen anything like this in the United States up until now. How do you see this changing the way that America does business or the way America does healthcare? Well, there'll be a lot of lessons to learn from this. Is this the last virus we're going to have like this? Probably not. Um, this has happened twice already and the third one has been worse. And so we need to be uh, better prepared as possible. And that's difficult. I mean, you know, people are saying they need a 140,000 respirators in New York State because of how bad it is there if it continues. And you're thinking to yourself, you can't have 140,000 respirators sitting in a warehouse somewhere. I mean, you know, there's just certain things that you can't predict or adequately prepare for. So you do what is reasonable and try to respond quicker and uh, have necessities stored away in reasonable amounts and uh, deal with this. I should encourage people. We're making great progress on a vaccine. It's already in stage one trials. I mean, they're giving it to people to see if it has bad side effects. That won't take too long, and then they're going to look and see how well it works. 
We now have hydroxychloroquine, a drug I've used many times to treat malaria in Africa. It's quite safe. And with zithromycin, a Z-pack that people often get when they have upper respiratory problems, uh, seems to really help control this virus. So we're making progress. We're building up supplies. Uh, there's an end to this, and uh, you can't predict exactly when it's going to be. But uh, I tell people, uh, students, medical students in particular, the verse that got uh, me through medical school was, and it came to pass because... It came to pass, yeah. And this is a tough experience, and it came to pass, and we will learn lessons from this that will help us in the future. When do you breathe a sigh of relief? What are you looking for in the news, in the reporting that will make you say, okay, we're on the other side, we're over the hump? We're, we're seeing the numbers of new cases begin to drop. And uh, it's not going up every day. It's beginning to go down. And it'll take a number of weeks for that to, to get but uh, to, the, to the point where we'll totally breathe a sigh of relief. Um, the question is, can we have a vaccine for the fall when this could uh, appear again? Some people are thinking, I'm not sure that's going to be the case. It may be as it gets warmer and more humid, this virus will decrease on its own because viruses don't do well in warm, humid weather. That's why the flu season is October through March, and it starts warming up, getting more humid, and flu begins to disappear. We're hoping that's going to be the case with this as well. So it may be the weather. It may be the fact that we get a vaccine quickly. It may be the fact that we're uh, you know, controlling this through um, social distancing and um, and people fewer people are getting it and the numbers start going down. Are there any myths that you've heard as you followed this that just make you go crazy? Like, ah, I just need people to know that isn't true. You know, I've seen people that are way too fearful and, uh, you know, start wearing masks. All people the other day, masks actually don't protect you. They protect others. If you've got the coronavirus, a mask will keep those droplets from getting on them. But you breathe in and out of the side of a mask. And so the fact uh, that being the case, you can still breathe things in. Uh, so that's that's a myth that masks will actually protect you from getting it. No, they protect you from giving it to someone else. Um, the typical mask, unless you're wearing a, a you know a medically type medical type mask. So th- those things, um, I've heard people you know concerned about all sorts of things, and most of them have been dealt with in the news and by experts, uh, not to be overly concerned. I'm Maria Morgan with Closer Look. Dr. Stevens, what is the message that you want to leave with our listeners as a medical professional, as a man who loves Jesus, somebody who, you know, who has an opportunity to talk to people right now who are listening, who are maybe they're they're stuck in their home and they're still afraid. Yeah. Uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 probably says it best, do not be anxious about anything, that includes the coronavirus, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, thank God for what good things he has given you and the fact your family's not yet sick and your loved ones and and then let your requests be known to God and the peace of God which passes understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Take that verse and other ones and start memorizing them and repeat them throughout the day and put them on a piece of paper on the refrigerator or on the dishwasher and and just remind yourself that God is faithful and he is going to see us through and that this is a wonderful opportunity for us to demonstrate to other people that Christ lives in us and we don't have that spirit of fear because we're trusting him.